moment, I want you to think about your body being the temple of the Holy Ghost. We're going to sing that again, and I want you to think about it more than just a sanctuary. I want you to think about God. Feel this temple. Feel this habitation. On this Wednesday night, God. I want your spirit, Lord, to feel me, to renew me, God, to bring strength to me tonight, God. Hallelujah. Yes, I let the anxiety, I let the stress, I let the worry go, and I let his presence in. Everything I've been dealing with today, I release it. And I open myself up to the presence of God. Hallelujah. I rejoice in your presence. I overcome in your presence. I have victory in your presence. Just lift your hands and give God some praise just for a moment. Hallelujah. God, we honor you in this place. We glorify your name, God. We magnify you, God. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the middle of the week, the reality of it is God's presence has a lot of competition for our minds and our hearts and our attention and our energies. And it just feels good to come in on a Wednesday night and remind the devil that he's still the king. He's still number one. He's the only one that sits on the throne. And whatever else I've been carrying or dealing with throughout the day on the job and throughout the busyness of today, I'm letting you know God is still sitting on the throne tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why don't we give him one more hand clap of appreciation because he's worthy of it. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. Thank you for being here. You may be seated. So good to see all of you here. What an incredible weekend we had. I still am basking and rejoicing in the presence of God and the fellowship and all that uh, took place over the weekend, All Nations Sunday. I believe it was the best we've ever had. It was fantastic. God moved in a mighty way Sunday morning, and then Sunday night, the festival was just incredible. I mean incredible. Uh, I'll make more men mention of it more on Sunday uh, when our church is here, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all of those that participated and uh, worked so very hard 
there is no doubt in my mind I crossed over from eating into gluttony at some point Sunday night. I, I sensed it as I, crossed across, I stepped across that line, and I realized you, my friend, are now in the sinful territory. You have arrived in that area. And uh, so I asked God to forgive me and kept right on eating. It was, it was great. So thank you to all of the wonderful people that made that uh, such a, a great, great day. Amen. We are looking forward to this weekend. Amen. Sunday morning, I'm excited about what God's going to do. And then, of course, Sunday night is our trunk and treat and our community uh, outreach night. And we're looking forward to that as well. That is always a great opportunity uh, to interact with our community. And God is growing our community at I'm sure you've seen by now, right here behind the church, they have leveled 53 acres, and they are building homes uh, right here on our doorstep. And so everything that we do, in fact, probably this time next year, our fourth Sunday fellowships, uh, we'll be ministering to entire communities. They'll be able to see us and hear us right there. So uh, we might integrate a little more. Uh, worship into our four Sunday fellowships next year in light of <laughs> the fact that God has brought people and put them right on our doorstep. And so I'm excited about that. His, God is bringing more and more people into, into the sphere of our influence and into our community, and uh, I'm thankful for that. I'm excited about it, but as I mentioned on Sunday, to whom much is given, much is required. And so we've got to rise to meet the challenge. But I know that we have what it takes to do that. And uh, I believe that God can ordain and orchestrate every person that moves into the communities in our area. As they're moving into their homes, God speak to them. We just, uh, just this past week, we've got a family that's been attending our church for several weeks now. Several weeks. And... Um, uh, the father was door dashing and passing by our church, and God spoke to him as he drove by the church, and he brought his entire family to church, and they've been coming several weekends. I, I believe that God can speak to people as they're driving by, as they're moving into their homes, amen, that God would draw them, there would be a hunger in them, and um, so I'm excited about that. Uh, I encourage you to stop by the Connect desk and see how you can help. Uh, in our community event Sunday night. There's always lots of help needed, and so I encourage you to stop by the Connect Desk and, and be a part of that. Um, she is not in here tonight, but I wanted to say how grateful I am as well. Sister uh, Taylor, uh, she was in a accident this past week that was very serious, but God spared her and took care of her, and she was without major uh, harm, and so I give God the praise for that. Thank God for that. Amen. Thank God for, for that. Matthew chapter 20. Is that Brother and Sister? Matthew chapter 20 and verse 15. Let's begin actually reading in verse 1. Uh, we have been studying and covering the parables of Jesus. And tonight we will uh, dive into a parable that is often misunderstood but is loaded with spiritual parallels that we all need to understand. 
For the kingdom of heaven, uh, verse 1, for the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is a householder which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, and you thought you were underpaid, he sent them into his vineyard and went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said unto them, Go you also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. And again he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour, and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out, and found others standing idle, and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? There's a message right there. And they said unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He said unto them, Go you also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. And so when the eve was come, the Lord of the vineyard said unto the steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed they should have received more because they had been there longer. But yet they likewise received every man a penny. And when they received it, they murmured against the good men of the house. I don't recommend that. Saying, these last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst thou not agree with me for a penny? Take, thine, take that thine is, and go thy way, and I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. It is not lawful for me to do what I will with my own. Is thine eye evil because I am good? Final verse. So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. Few chosen. How many know that it is an incredible privilege for the Lord of the harvest to call you into his service? It is the greatest honor you will ever receive, regardless of what accolades you may get on the job, regardless of what uh, awards you may have received or what status or position you may receive uh, on your job or in your area of service or in your occupation. I promise you, the greatest honor you will ever receive is the voice of the Lord speak to you or someone uh, in God's service, uh, someone in authority working for God, ask you to do something for the kingdom of God. That is the greatest compliment you'll ever receive. The greatest compliment. And so tonight our truth about it, God is that God's grace is His to give. It's His grace to give. I didn't die. I didn't shed blood. I was not without sin. It's His grace to give. And the truth for my life is I will accept God's sovereign grace. Someone say sovereign grace. Sovereign grace means that He is sovereign and He can do anything He wants to do with His grace. 
So it's important that we understand that God's sovereign grace is distributed to who he wants to distribute it to, uh, on what level and at what time. There was a need in our parable tonight for laborers. There was a need for laborers. The grapes were ripe and they were dangling heavy on the vine. Now was the perfect time for harvesting. The owner of the vineyard stepped out onto the veranda and assessed the situation. He realized that if I don't quickly get some workers out there to help, I'm going to lose this crop. It's not going to be there forever. I've got a short window in which I need to harvest this crop. And so he threw on his cloak and he headed for the market. There were usually plenty of people standing around looking for work. As he drew near to the marketplace, sure enough, he noticed several able-bodied workers making themselves available for hire. They were standing around. They were wanting to be hired. So he selected some strong workers because at that time, harvesting grapes had to be done by hand-picking the fruit. It was a back-breaking job. This was not an easy task. The laborers had to bend over each plant to inspect the fruit before extracting a cluster that was ready for harvest. As we compare the vineyard from the parable of Jesus tonight, we must recognize and understand that God's harvest, someone say God's harvest, is filled with souls that are ready to come to Him. These people that need to hear the Word of God. God's field may, may not always be easy to harvest. And sometimes harvesting and reaching people and working in God's field can be backbreaking uh, work at times. But can I tell you today, there is nothing more rewarding than working for Him. Nothing more rewarding. Paul addressed the need to go into God's field and harvest souls in the kingdom when he said in Romans 10 and 14, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? It takes laborers. It takes hard working. Good people who are willing to say, I am going to be faithful to the house of God. I'm going to be involved in the ministry of the church. I'm going to volunteer in every area that I can volunteer. I'm going to faithfully give because I know that if people do not hear the word of God, they cannot obey the word of God. And if they do not have a preacher and a place to can proclamate the word, they cannot hear it. And so, you are an indispensable part of God's kingdom. Now, is it possible for God to just reach down and save everybody at one time? Absolutely. He's sovereign. He's God. He can do anything he wants to. But God's plan includes you. God's revival and God's harvest includes every single one of you. And so you are an indispensable part of God's plan. We are... Currently, and I don't know if you realize this or not, but we are currently witnessing a great hunger 
among unbelievers for something real and lasting. I'm telling you, there's a great hunger. Sister, Brother and Sister Simpson were just telling me they were at a corn maze this past week. And they met a gentleman there at the corn maze and just in conversation with him began to witness to him. Tears began to pour out of his eyes and they started a Bible study with him this week. People are hungry and they're everywhere. Oftentimes the real travesty is that we're so caught up in our own situation and in our own dilemma and our own drama and our own life that we fail to see it. But I'm telling you, regardless of what the devil tries to tell you, regardless of what the media tries to tell you, there is a world out there that's hungry. There is a, there's souls all around us and we are wading into people that are searching and longing. The harvest is ready. The harvest is ready. It seems that people of this generation are looking for a spiritual experience, but they don't know exactly where to find it. Spiritualism is at an all-time high. As you begin to study uh, where our world is at right now, especially uh, young adults, spiritualism is at an all-time high, and they just don't know where to find it. And so oftentimes they'll seek uh, answers in yoga or spiritualism or drugs or witchcraft, anything to satisfy or try to satisfy this spiritual craving. Spiritual craving. We've seen it over the past couple of years on college campuses. As they would begin to pray, the Spirit of God would break out. And uh, young adults who had been a part of religion. They were going to a religious college, many of them studying the Bible, but were feeling something for the very first time. They had never felt it before. I heard interviews of people saying, I've been going to church all my life, and I didn't feel what I felt in that chapel prayer meeting. There is a hunger among people to feel the presence, the authentic, powerful, life-changing presence of God. We must remind ourselves that it is not our singing, it's not our decor, it's not our talent or our ability. What this world is searching for is the authenticity and the anointing of God's presence when they step into our sanctuary. Regardless of what happens, we must have a move of God because it's what our world is hungry for. It's what they're hungry for. As apostolics who have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, baptized in the name of Jesus, and who are accustomed to feeling the chill bumps running up and down our spine, accustomed to seeing God's presence sweep across the sanctuary, accustomed to feeling the heaviness of God's presence and feeling Him speak to us. Can I tell you that the world is searching and longing for that experience. That experience. And we... No, we have what they're searching for. We must lead them because many of us were once there. How many can remember the very first time you knew without a shadow of a doubt you were in God's presence? Now, it may have been in church for most people. That experience was probably in church. But you knew in that moment. Now, it may have scared you to death. <laughs> you may not have known what was going on. And you may have run out before you run forward. But you knew when you got in your car and you were heading home. I don't know a lot about those people. I don't know a lot about that church. But I can tell you one thing. I felt the presence of God in that church. More people are searching for that. They're searching for that. Paul told the saints of Corinth 
and such were some of you. <laughs> You've been there. You know what it's like. But you are washed. You're sanctified. You are justified. God uses our current knowledge and our past experience as tools to reach those that are hurting and wounded and lost. You've heard me say this many times in various ways, but it's amazing how someone breaks their arm. And other people that have broke their arm, they're the first one that goes to them. Oh, man, I, I'm sorry you broke your arm. I broke my arm, too. I've been there. I know what it's like. It's important that you understand that if you have experienced hurt and you've experienced brokenness and you've experienced pain, that you are uniquely qualified to reach people who are going through that. You're, you're a laborer that has experience with that. You're in God's kingdom and you are uniquely gifted to be able to help those with God-given wisdom and sensitivity and compassion to take them by the hand and help lead them into a genuine, deep, and a meaningful relationship with a God that they can feel. That they can feel. We know we don't base our relationship with God on emotions or what we can feel, but aren't you glad we can feel Him? <laughs> there are times in our life where we may not be able to feel Him. We don't get up every day speaking in tongues, believe it or not. Maybe you do, I don't. I don't necessarily feel like I'm walking on great clouds of spirituality every single day. But I tell you what, there are some days I can absolutely feel the presence of God, and I'm thankful for that. Our world needs to know they can have a relationship with God that they can feel and experience, and He can affect them mentally and spiritually and emotionally. Think about what you've been through in your journey. Think about elements of your testimony, things that you have been through. When is the last time that you shared something very personal with someone who may have been going through something similar? I don't want to get off on a soapbox here tonight, but you know most people that come to the church, they have this idea about church people, that all church people have been going to church all of their life. Or... They've been going since they were little bitty. And most people that come to a church, they cannot imagine anyone in the church doing what they did last night. Like, it's, oh, they would never do that. I can't imagine that. And the devil uses that because he wants to create this great valley, this great delta between them and where you are at, making them feel like I could never get there. But when you, as a laborer in God's harvest, go to them and say, hey, I have been there. I have struggled with that. God delivered me from that. I have come through that. And if God did it for me, he can do it for you. Suddenly, a great door of hope and opportunity and possibility swings open for that person. For that person. You must, as a laborer in God's field, 
be someone who shares your testimony on a regular basis. Right? See, God does his part by drawing souls to him. John 6 and 44 says that God does the drawing. We do our part by reaching out, teaching, preaching, and living the gospel. Being an example. This great hunger for God all around us fosters a great need for us to be laborers bringing these souls into God's family. You know what's going to bring the end time revival? It's not going to be some supernatural sweeping over a community and thousands of people are going to come pouring in. You know where revival actually starts right here? It's when God's people, often we think about revival and we think about souls coming in and thousands of people getting the Holy Ghost and expanding the church. That's not revival. That's the result of revival. Revival happens when laborers say, you know what? I've been sleeping in spiritually. I've been coasting. I've been taking it easy. I've been doing the minimum, but I see God's about to come back. I feel God drawing me and convicting me. And so I'm going to get up and do something. I'm going to get up and be a part of something. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to share my testimony. And when every person in God's church begins to do that, the result of that labors getting back into the field produces a harvest. Just as the landowner in our parable tonight brought workers into his vineyard, God has called us to work in his field. Nobody. Somebody say nobody. Say it again. Nobody should be standing on the corner idle in 2023. Nobody. You can use the excuse, I'm not talented, I can't do this, I can't do that. I'm telling you, the harvest is ready. The only problem we got is we don't have enough laborers. We don't have enough people that get up off the street corner and say, God, do, do whatever I can do. We, got, we don't have enough people going to the connect desk and, hey, sign me up for something. What can I do? What can I be a part of? That's what we need. It's laborers. Laborers. We're the ones who love this truth and should be the first to volunteer to share it with others. Those God prepared are the ones waiting for us to show them the way. Working in God's field may be a lot of work. I was several years ago asked to speak at a church growth conference. And, um, <laughs> and I, I stood up at the very first night and I told them, I said, listen, um, I didn't bring any special formula. I didn't bring any process that's going to make your many pastors there. I didn't bring a, a magic process that's going to instantly grow your church. I said, it really comes down to one word, and they're, and, they're, and they're probably going to give me a check for this, and if they don't, that's okay, because I only come to say one word, work. That's it. It's work. Every single week, praying, fasting, Loving people, witnessing, volunteering, work. That's what the Bible says we are needing in this last hour is labors, right? Labors. No part of laborer says it's going to be easy. <laughs> They're telling you it's going to be work. But can I tell you the reward is incredible. It's incredible. And so it's important to remember that as we experience joy, over the fruit of our labor, it encourages us to continue to work in God's field. Anyone that has ever personally won a soul to God, I never have to motivate them again to witness. 
ever again. I never, ever have to constantly, like, you ever try to push rope? You ever trying to push rope uphill? The people that I have to really try to encourage and really admonish to go win souls and to witness are people that have not really done a lot of it. Because as soon as you witness to somebody and you see them come to church, walk down to this altar, lift their hands, receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and you stand over there like a jumping bean and watch them get baptized in Jesus' name, and then they bring their little children in here and their little wife, and they sign up for something out there, and they get involved, and you look over there, and it's been six months, and they're accepting a Next Step membership class. I never, ever again have to try to encourage or challenge that person to win a soul because that is the reward of their labors. There is nothing more rewarding than that. It don't get no better than that. There isn't a, a spiritual high that's better than seeing that. How many can say amen to that? Nothing is more inspiring than praying with someone to receive the Holy Ghost or watching someone baptized. Great rewards are waiting for those who answer the call to go to God's field. In Bible times, those desiring work would gather early in the marketplace. And when someone agreed to work for another, they would decide on a daily wage right then. Before the work ever began, both the landowner and the laborers, as illustrated in our text tonight, would come to an agreement on what they were going to be paid. Clear understanding, this is what I'm going to pay you. In this case, it was a penny a day. And so, the day began like any other day. The owner of the vineyard had hired helpers, helper, helpers, 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 help us, help me, Lord. Help me to say helper. <laughs> to harvest his crop. And so, however, somewhere in the process, the landowner realized this job is going to take longer than uh, I've got helpers for. Most any project, those of you that have projects or you work uh, on projects, you realize most all projects, they take longer, and I've been a part of building a couple churches and know this to be true, they take longer than you thought it was going to take, and it costs more than you thought it was going to cost. Right? You ever started a barn in the backyard, and you thought, well, I'll just use extra material, or I'll just use what I got left over. I'll do it in my spare time. Ten years later and $10 million, you're like, Lord, have mercy. So was the issue here. He thought, well, I'll just go grab a few laborers, and we'll just knock this field out. Well, it didn't take long. Uh-oh. It's going to take a lot more help. Somewhere in the process, he realized that he needed more laborers. So he went into the village. He saw some more able-bodied workers needing a job, and he hired them. And as we read, this happened several times throughout the day. The sun was starting to set. The day was getting away from him. The harvest was ready. And so he kept going back getting workers. As we draw closer to the coming of the Lord, I pray that God would compel us to go out and disciple those that he's drawn into his kingdom. Time is running out. Time is running out. Sometimes the work seems like too much for us. God, how are we going to reach this world? I mean, there are people pouring into Fuquaverina. How are we going to reach them? And sometimes it feels like, God, how are we going to do that? But what I know is, 
that if God, God will not provide a harvest, that he will not enable us to reach if we are willing and able to be a laborer for him. He can multiply our efforts, multiply our efforts. And so we begin to lead and disciple people like the laborers in that field. And so I, I want to make sure that as an individual, I work where God calls me, wherever that is at, wherever place of service that is, that when the master pulls up to the curb and he says, I need somebody to go work in the field, I don't go, well, what, is exa- what exactly does that entail? Right? When the pastoral team stands up and says, we need people to do this. You don't go, well, let me just see. In this last hour, in this last day, we need laborers. Laborers who are willing to do whatever God has called them to do. We got a video tonight that goes in line with our teaching tonight. We'll show that. We know the significant stories of Pentecostal history. Anybody who's interested in the subject has heard of Charles Parham. They probably know William Seymour as the person most responsible for the Azusa Street Revival. There are people like any movement that were not in the limelight, that society overlooked and perhaps even historians overlooked. One of those people was a young African-American woman named Lucy Farrow. We're not quite sure how Lucy Farrell met Charles Parham, but we do know that they were in Houston, just as the Houston Revival broke. And and perhaps they were uh, walking uh, at that particular time in the history of our country, in the history of uh, the way the Western civilization was evolving. Uh, People were moving from riding horses to driving automobiles. Houston was a oil-rich town, and. uh, some people had purchased automobiles. But the problem with driving automobiles in Houston at that time is that most people travel by horse and horses leave uh, spent fuel behind. And so usually early in the evening, uh, street cleaners would come out and clean the streets. And then the people who owned automobiles would take a little time to drive around the city. Some have speculated that perhaps in one of those evenings when the streets have been clean and people are out walking that Charles Parham ran across Lucy Farrell. She, at that time, was a pastor of a small holiness mission in Houston. And somehow they connected. One of Parham's students, William Seymour, went to Los Angeles to spread the apostolic faith message. Parham was initially reluctant to let Seymour go because Seymour hadn't received the baptism of the Spirit. When he got to Los Angeles, he ran into some opposition. People who invited him rejected the message, and he ended up meeting with a few people in their homes for home prayer meetings, but no one had received the baptism of the Spirit. Seymour sent word back to Parham, is there any way possible that Lucy Farrow can come to Los Angeles? And when she did arrive, the first people began to receive the baptism of the Spirit, and increasingly, the revival broke out to become the famous Azusa Street Revival. And later during that revival, Pharaoh lived in the building on Azusa Street in uh, the upper room and she prayed people through the Holy Ghost. She even uh, prayed with Howard Goss and he 
he had already received the Holy Ghost. He spoke on him one time in tongues on a train, but he never was able to speak in tongues again until Pharaoh prayed for him. And then it kind of broke a dam in his life and he began to be able to speak freely in tongues. So uh, this African-American woman who some people would suggest was the niece of Frederick Douglass, but an insignificant person was uh, buried in an unmarked grave in Houston. Just recently, we found the graveyard and erected a stone in her honor as the mother of Pentecost. Powerful to think about someone who the world may have deemed insignificant, but God used in a mighty, mighty way. And because of that, obviously, the apostolic message spread across North America. And so I tell you, the only thing we're needing is labors. We're only we're needing is labors. So the end of the day came. All the laborers gathered together, those that had been hired in the morning, those that had been hired throughout the day, and those who had been hired at the 11th hour. And shockingly enough, everyone was paid the same. And so to the surprise of those who came first, everyone's wage was the same. It's a reminder to us that the grace of God is extravagant for each person who reaches out and takes advantage of it. It doesn't matter to God whether someone has been living for Him for 40 years or three months. His grace is the same for everyone. God is no respecter of persons, rank, or social status. Everyone has an opportunity to receive His grace. And one of the things that we must understand, especially if you've lived for God a long time or you've been in church a long time, there's no pedigree, there's no status, there's no elevated position we are going to have to understand as God prepares us for a great end-time harvest, there are going to be people that come in at this last hour, and God's going to anoint them mightily, and God's going to grant them things that it may have taken you 20 years to get. You may have thought, my Lord, I prayed for that for 20 years. I, I didn't get to do that until I had been in the church 20 years, and I didn't get blessed like that. You need to understand that before God comes back, there's going to be a great harvest of people, and we must understand that His grace and His anointing and His power is going to be displayed even to those who come late. Come in last. And we cannot be envious of that. We must reject envy and righteous jealousy and, and learn to rejoice that not only what God does for others, but when He does it for others. When He does it for others. The early workers did not understand why they received the same wage as those who had come towards the end of the day. They were angry and approached the owner and complaining about how unfair He had been toward them. I don't know how anyone could look at the Lord of this harvest and say he's been unfair. <laughs> because your worst day serving God is better than your best day in the world. We must careful not to judge how God works with others. Each have unique, unique needs. Maybe you've experienced this, but what takes years for one may take days for another. <laughs> A believing wife may pray 40 years for her husband to, come, husband to come to God. And finally, she sees her prayers answered. And he lives the last few years of his life basking in the abundant grace of God. Another may wander into the church from a nearby bar, fall down at the altar, repent, and receive the Holy Ghost in a few minutes. We must rejoice with them as well. 
And the precious lady that had to pray 40 years for her husband to come must rejoice with the lady who saw her husband come in the next week. Because the Lord of the harvest extends grace than the same to every single person. And we're thankful for that. We're thankful for that. We cannot judge how God deals with each person. We just know He will meet us at the point of our need. And we need to be reminded today that it's a privilege to work for the Lord. It's a privilege to work for the Lord. <laughs> you know, the only prayer you can answer is in Matthew 9 and 38. Pray you therefore, Jesus said, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. That's a prayer that he prayed that you can answer. Wouldn't it feel good to be able to answer a prayer for him for once? He's answered so many prayers for me. The fact that I can answer this prayer, pray ye the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. I can answer that prayer for him by becoming a laborer in his harvest. I think also it's important to remember that those who came in at the end, stand with me. I think maybe the missing, the missing lesson here is those that have lived for God a long time, maybe you've been in the church 10, 15, 20 years, maybe you've served God a long time, and you look around and you see some young whippersnapper being blessed by God or being used by God, or maybe you see some young person getting used and instruments or music or you see some young man preaching or some young lady being used of God you think I've been in this thing 25 years I mean they they just barely got here you're missing out on the greatest blessing and you're overlooking the greatest blessing because those that came in at the 11th hour they had spent their whole day standing at the street corner that's not fun it's crowded there's other people that are unemployed. It's not the greatest environment. It's not fulfilling. The day is going down. They don't know how they're going to pay their bills, put food on the table. That's a long day. And yet those that were hired early in the morning, you know what they got to spend their day doing? Working in the field with the master. <laughs> they got to spend all day long side by side with the master working in the field. Can I tell you, if you've been serving God a long time, you don't need to look up and be envious or jealous because of somebody coming in at the ninth hour and being blessed or being used. You've spent 20 years in the field working with the master. You've been blessed. You've been there the whole time. You've been through the ups and the downs. You've seen the faithfulness of God. You've seen the blessings of God. You've trusted him through the storm. And I promise you, you'll not ever have a regret in any day you've spent in the field with the master. I don't look back and say, man, I, I wish I could have spent 20 more years in the world and just come to the church the last few, last few hours and make it out of here. No. What most people say is, I wish I had given my life to God 20 years ago because I could have spent 20 years in the field with the master and not standing idle on the corner out there wasting my life away. No purpose, no peace, no cause to live for. But when they got in the field, even those that were there early in the morning, they got to spend the whole day working alongside fellow laborers and the master. Is there a greater life to live than working in his field 
with the master. What a great privilege and what a great honor it is. Lift your hands and say, God, thank you for allowing me to be in your field. Thank you, God, that you have allowed me, Lord, to be a labor in your harvest. Help me, God. I pray that you would challenge your church, challenge your people tonight, God, I pray. Help them to know the only thing preventing an incredible last time, last end time revival is laborers in the field. God, would you send forth laborers? Help us, God, to be laborers in your field. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight on this Wednesday night. Look forward to seeing you Sunday morning, expecting God to do great things. You are dismissed in Jesus' name.